And that's why I believe in you because that is the greatest purpose. It's to love. Honest. It's to, it sounds corny. Whatever you want to say, I don't care. I love people because there is freedom and power in loving people. Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we have the crazy belief that creating success and happiness is a daily conscious effort, which is why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week. I'm your host, Brandon Beecham, and each and every Wednesday, you can tune in to hear me interview a different consciousness changemaker that is out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness all across Spaceship Earth. On the other four weekdays, you can tune in to myself and my co-host, Dalian, giving interpretations of our favorite thought-provoking quotes, sharing a bit of inspiring or mysterious news, taking questions from the audience, and digging into any other mind-expansive topics that will help keep your soul fed by tuning you in to positive vibrations on a regular basis. All right, all you positive heads, on this week's interview episode, I'm very pleased to have Mike Bledsoe here with me on the show. Mike is a host of the hugely popular fitness podcast, Barbell Shrugged, uh, also a entrepreneur. Uh, hey there, Mike. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brandon. Thanks for having me. I'm really hey, excited man. to be here. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I've been looking forward to this uh, quite some time. We have some mutual friends and um, yeah, it's 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 excellent to have someone, especially a fellow podcaster with uh, yeah. who's created so much success uh, for themselves. But before I dig into all that, I'm going to start off with the same question I always start off with. You're in an elevator. The guy next to you looks over. You have 10 floors to answer. He says, what's your passion? What do you say? Uh, my passion is waking people up to uh, their own potential and and to um, and to their higher selves. And if I can, if I can then move them uh, and help them uh, achieve unconditional love for themselves and for those around them, that would be a huge plus. It all makes sense why you're on the show now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. The mutual friends. Yeah. I mean, when, when two or three friends say, hey, you should go on the show, I just, I don't even ask any questions. I just say yes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. One of those friends, Tim Powers, actually has sent over a few people. Uh, I'll, you know, he, you know, Tim, he's like all over the place and all of a sudden out of nowhere, it'll be two in the morning and I'll get that text and like, check your calendar. Like, uh, and I so, think that's what happened in this case. So I, I've, I've definitely gotten, uh, uh, excited about those, those texts because they're always amazing. They're always like amazing people. So it's such a pleasure to, to meet you, my friend. I don't, I don't know how many times I've been just wandering around in a, in a strange city at 2 a.m. and I run into Tim Powers. Like, <laughs> I know, huh? Like, He's in, like... In, in, in 3D. I'm like, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my ex used to talk about it. He would just swing through our place every now and then. You know, every few months he'd drop in out of nowhere. And she, she was like, you know, it always get, he always gives me that perspective on what, a, what an... I can be when I get down and like, you know, stuck in the mundane perspective of the grind of my life. He in right. comes this guy and he's just like vibrating at this incredible frequency. So grateful. And in every little moment, every little thing, he's just got this huge smile. And uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate him for who he is and uh, the example that he sets for us all. Yeah, he, he's definitely one of those people. And I think everybody should try to find a person like this in their life where you you can just spend go grab a meal with that person afterwards you feel like you've leveled up you're like oh, <laughs> totally this 
is like uh, this guy showed me what it means to love other people like more openly. Okay, I can be more open now. I'm just gonna practice. Abs- I'm gonna do what he did. Awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Mike, tell me a little bit. You have a lot going on. I mean, your show. You know, when he first told me about you and that we need to connect, I was looking. I was like so impressed by what you've done and the show that you've created, and you know all the success. Uh, and I'd love, I guess, maybe give us a little background on on your story, if you would. Yeah, man, it's hard to know where to start. You know, I think a lot of people, most people do know me due to my show. It's, you know, we're, we have a show that we also put on, uh, it's not a, it's a podcast and it's also a video show and we post it on YouTube and we have a lot of subscribers and we have a lot of followers and, and, uh, most people know me from that. And it's interesting that, uh, you know, I started the show because, um, and the show is actually mostly geared for CrossFitters people who are in CrossFit or weightlifting. And that's the background I came from. I own a, uh, or owned a CrossFit gym in Memphis, Tennessee. And, uh, Oh really? I went to, I went to college right out of, outside of Memphis. Oh, a really, really little cool, little Christian school that I got kicked out of <laughs> called Freed oh, Hardeman university. Ever, ever heard of it by uh, any chance? No, it's really no. little. It's like an hour away, but I did like yeah, a semester okay. at Crichton college. Okay. Yeah. That is that, no. is that somewhere in the area? No. That's like a Christian college over there that, yeah, pretty much yeah, oh. it didn't work out. Interesting. <laughs> there you go. There's a cool synchronicity. Both, <laughs> we both got kicked out of a small Christian school in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee guys. This is like, <laughs> want to learn how to fail at college? <laughs> you listen to this podcast. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, um, I was running a gym there. Um, and I, um, and I was getting, we were doing well. We were good at what we were doing. We're, uh, I had this background in strength and conditioning, and we were doing well in CrossFit, and I was studying business, and I was doing a lot better than a lot of other gyms were doing um, with their facilities as well. And so I ended up on the phone a lot. A lot of people were calling me with questions like, how are you doing what you're doing? Your athletes are performing well. Your business is performing well. How do you do it? And I found myself just on the phone hours a week giving free advice. I was like a... I was like a coach and a consultant over the phone mm-hmm. before, like I realized that that was a thing that you would charge people for. And right, so right. <laughs> I guess I didn't know that much about business. And, uh, so I was like, you know what, instead of me taking all these one-on-one calls, I'll just start a show, you know, we'll just start a podcast. And it really, it was the culmination of having, uh, one of my guys, he came and interned for me at the gym and he was like, Oh, you should listen to the Joe Rogan show. Um, and because I'd been listening to podcasts that were like super content rich and kind of boring, unless you were just like really love, unless you love biochemistry, you know, right. and, and I listened to Joe Rogan one time and I go, Oh, I mean, you can do anything you want on a podcast. <laughs> right, right. Give it to me. I want it. So I started doing it with a few friends and we decided to video it. And one of the things that I think helped make it really popular in the beginning was the fact that we always went with quality you know, high quality video, high quality audio. And I think that went a long way back in the days when it was hard to do that, you know, yeah. back, back in 2011, 2012, it was not easy to create high quality audio and video. And now, you know, it's, you know, kind of par for the course. So, um, right. I got into podcasting that way. And then I built some businesses based off of, uh, those shows. So one's for, you know, fitness enthusiasts and ones for entrepreneurs who are in the uh, fitness industry. So, um, I got into that. And what's interesting, uh, is <clears throat> by doing those shows, you know, when I would say, I would, I would say that I was a person who was not quite awake 
when I started those shows. And the show was actually part of the process and my awakening in that um, I was put under a microscope. You, you know this is when you do a podcast and you put your voice out for the entire world to hear, things start changing. You start saying right. things differently. There's certain things that I just simply stopped talking about because I didn't want it to accidentally slip out on a microphone at some right. point. There's certain right. words I stopped using. Um, and I became hyper aware of the language I used. And something really cool happens when your language changes. So does the way you think. And oh, yeah. um, yes. And so... Now, this. do you know Mark? Do you know Mark England as well? Uh, no. Uh, okay, because that's someone I met through Tim, who vocabulary and did a podcast. One of my first podcasts was with with uh, Mark. So I, as soon as you said that, I started thinking. I was like, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys knew each other because I met him through Tim. Vocabulary. Yeah, sounds, yeah. You should check him. Awesome. Yeah, it is. You should check him out. Definitely, uh, definitely an interesting character. And yeah, it's his whole thing is like, hey, it's spelling. You're casting a spell when you use words. You know, it's like oh. it's all vibrational. It's all energy. So, no doubt. I have another friend. Actually, I think she'd be great for the show. I'll tell you about her later. But she says the same thing, it's like casting a spell and spelling. Yeah. Like, oh, no doubt about it. It's like, and in fact, you know, now it, it's funny. I, I've been hyper aware about my vocabulary and about just how I say things for you know, I'd say five years now, and I'm still finding tons of things that I could be saying differently or totally. not saying at all. Or, you know, right. <laughs> that's usually, that's usually the case. It's uh, what you're not saying at all that can be extremely helpful. Um, so, you know, that was one of the steps was becoming hyper aware of what I was saying really started shifting things for me. Uh, and then another thing happened for me was, um, uh, through the podcasting was being introduced uh, to people who are the best at what they do. And what happens is when you start running into people who are the best at what they do, it's usually people who are actually living within their purpose. Because when you're doing the thing you're supposed to be doing, that's when you're the best at what you do. That's, that's a genius. Everyone has a genius inside of them. And it's for most people, it's just not realized because they're not doing the thing they were put on earth to do. And the moment right. they start stepping into that, they're now considered brilliant and a genius and all this stuff. And these are the people that I'm interacting with because my job is to highlight and spotlight people who are special. And I find, I find myself, uh, and I always do my show in person, in fact, and that actually, uh, that's my that is my intention ultimately I, I definitely within the year i want to start doing exactly what you're doing video in person yes. getting that yeah that, i mean getting that sort of facetime must be extra when, special with it, it, it is extra special because you know you and i are going to get an hour here and i get to know you and you know i live really close to where you're at and we'll probably drop in and grab some tea or coffee at some time some point and that'll be amazing and for me uh i got to do that with every person i interviewed and for every person i interviewed it wasn't just an hour of time with them i was spending an entire day with them and we would grab right. a meal before and after and you know that when you break bread with somebody that's a whole, it's a whole different thing yeah oh, yeah it's a whole different thing and so you know i've got hundreds of episodes uh, of interviews where i got to break bread with people who are the best what they do which means that I got to be pretty close to God <laughs> in a way. 
You know, they were in line with their purpose. And I'm just like, oh, oh. So there's definitely that element as well. So I'm changing my language. I am, I'm being, um, I'm around people who are living in their purpose. And then, um, and then I go to like a, a marketing conference and they were talking about this thing called empathy. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of trouble with that back in, you know, you know, three, four years ago, I say four years ago, it was a challenge. And I'm also a former military. So um, uh, there's a bit of, uh, it, it's hard to keep the empathy intact uh, in that environment a lot of times. Um, it gets yeah. covered up a little bit. So, um, and that's not the only thing. It's, it's always a choice, right? So it's, you know, I'm not going to blame a thing. Um, I just want to highlight that that does happen with veterans a lot of times is empathy can be a challenge. So, um, well, yeah, you're taught to be so like, you know, inside this kind of box and anything outside of it is like weak or not what it should be. And it's, I mean, that's the whole purpose is kind of brainwashing military into, you know, this, this soldier, this perfect yeah. kind of, we don't have time for it either. It's like yeah. always urgent, always important, always urgent. You have feelings. Cool. Let's worry about that later. You know, yeah, right. Uh, right. It, it's be stoic and so on and so forth. So I think actually, I think the the most mature warriors are very in touch and empathetic, and it's right. it's an it's an immature uh, warrior that isn't. And there's definitely guys in the military that that are very empathetic. Um, however, it's not the status quo, and it's not what's being taught. That's for sure. So uh, I, I would say, you know, if you look at certain warrior cultures of the past. It was a huge component in our modern military, uh, not so much. Um, so, um, yeah, I went to a marketing conference. I, I guess I'm like just rolling into my story, but yeah, um, yeah, no, I, all of it, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, uh, I'm like, oh, I want to be a better businessman. I want to know marketing better. And I go and I'm like really good at everything except for this empathy thing. My, my empathy worksheets are empty and, um, <laughs> And I'm frustrated. I'm so frustrated. So, uh, in fact, after what, it was a seven day conference, and in the middle was the empathy stuff. I actually took the next day off and just went, went and watched a movie because I just couldn't. I just was wow. a mind melt. And uh, wow. but it hit me. I go, I go. Oh, I'm supposed to eat mushrooms when I get home, like magic mushrooms. And oh I, wow! And I didn't really have any experience with it. So, and you just you just ha- had people been coming at you telling you, no. you, you know, do this, do this. No, really, no. wow. The intuitive hit, like I knew a guy who had them and I was always kind of like, ah, oh, that's a weird hippie thing to do. And, <laughs> right, uh, right. <laughs> and it's not for me. That's for people like Tim Powers. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, but there, there was a couple of things that kind of like triggered it. There were, there were a couple of things that triggered it and and I'm definitely a, a, an early adopter type of person. If I, if someone says don't do it, like don't push this red button, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna push the red button. And totally. So society's telling me, hey, don't push this fucking red button. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm pushing the red button. So <laughs> right. I go home and I push the red button and uh, a red pill or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> right, and, right. And all this empathy stuff come came running in. Wow. And it really. Uh, in fact, I was actually on the cusp of uh, divorce. So wow. uh, my wife and I were both just at the end. And 
Um, and it was so funny is, uh, I'll, I'll just share with you the empathy piece that happened during the journey. I, I, uh, I got lucky. I, I chose the right music. You know, I, I highly recommend if you're going to do something like this, go have it, go somewhere where it can be facilitated, you know? Mm. And there's a lot of places outside the country that can happen. Um, more and places, more too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's easier to find more now than ever. So, uh, it's worth doing a facilitated session because you can go way deeper. Trust me. And there's just, there's a lot of benefits to it and it gets rid of any risk that might be associated. So, um, but I did that. And what happened was I'm on the top of this hill at this park and it's a dog park and it's huge. So I see all these people getting off work at like five or 6 PM and they're bringing their dogs to the dog park and they're on their phones or they're texting and they're throwing a stick or a tennis ball and their dog's going to get it. And they, uh, the dogs come coming back and forth. And I can tell the dog is frustrated. I can tell that the dogs are like, you're probably feeling what the dog's feeling way more than you normally would. Exactly. I'm like, I can tell these dogs are like, I've been in a cage for the last eight, 10 hours. Right. And, and now you're not even going to give me your full attention. You're on your phone and I could feel the dog's frustration. I'm on top of this hill going, I'm getting angry. I'm, I'm like, you, I can't believe you. And then it hits me. I go, Oh shit. I do the same thing to my dog. Right. <laughs> and I go, Hypocrite. <laughs> yes. yes. And then I go, Oh, I do the same thing to my wife. I do the same thing to my mom, my siblings, mm. my clients, my employees, my, my mm. business partners. I don't listen to anybody. Right. And I go, Oh, and I go home and I sit down with my wife and I listen to her and ask her questions and I sit and I give her my full undivided attention for the first time in our relationship. She thought something was wrong. And right. that, without me even saying a thing, just the fact that I was asking questions and listening, she just started crying. She wow. just like couldn't even understand what was happening. And you know, from that, you know, at that point it was transformation. And I was I was wow. even a little afraid that night. I it's like, oh, I'm going to go to bed and this is going to wear off, you know? And yeah. uh, I woke up the next morning and it didn't wear off. And the next day and the next day, it never wore off. It was, it was an wow. understanding. It was a learning that happened that I wasn't going to forget. And, right. and it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, something that was a chemical that got changed in my brain. It was like, no, I actually learned something and my behavior changed <laughs> and it felt really good. And, wow. um, and so I, I, I would say those are like the three really big things that, that contributed to me having a big wake up moment where I was able to take full responsibility for my own actions, my own self, my own feelings, and also to, um, realize that we're all connected and, you know, and, and behave that way. Not just act as if, yeah. Not just I, intellectually I, I, understand it, but to embody it into into. Yeah, I like that. Act as if that's that's really cool. Yeah, I have, I always say, uh, you know, and you may have heard this before. Everywhere everywhere you go, you're there waiting for yourself. And when you can take that and really apply that to your interactions, it's it's such a game changer. You know, all is literally one. Act accordingly. You take some of those 
foundational concepts and plug them into your brain. And that's exactly, if I had a nickel for every time someone told me I did mushrooms for the first time and I had a transformational experience that I never came back from in a good way, it seems like that is almost like the gatekeeper to, for so many people, you know, there's a lot of things. There's LSD, there's ayahuasca, there's a lot of different plant medicines that, you know, I'm sure at this point, well, we've talked a little bit about it that you've experimented with, I've experimented with, but it seems like that one really is like a, you know, bringing people through the gate and, and having that first experience where they're, they're changed in a way that they never go back. It seems like, uh, I just hear it over and over and over again. I had this first mushroom experience, you know? Yeah. I uh, I think they're, I think they're not as scary as say Mm -hmm. ayahuasca because you know people think about ayahuasca and they think about flying into the jungle peru and sitting with this guy (laughs) who doesn't speak english and right and and the alien comes out of the the clouds and picks you up and (laughs) yeah yeah and uh you know i've done that Uh, but uh (laughs) yeah that's that game that was step two that that was was like that might have been like step three or four but you know (laughs) exactly yeah totally uh so the um yeah, I think mushrooms are readily available and because they're so massively available that um, people aren't as afraid of them because everyone and they're, and they're natural. They're natural. It's not like, you know, you think of LSD. It's like, what is this? This thing right. created in a lab by some, you know, weird scientist. <laughs> that's that's so. actually, uh, I, I, in my experience and everything that I've done so far, uh, my, uh, I think LSD is, is very advanced. Um, I, it's, I, it's pretty incredible. I, I, I don't think it's for it, the people who uh, are new. I think it's something to be done after you've had spent a lot of time with the plants, the natural things. Like mushrooms are so natural. There's so many. Uh, there's so much safety in it. It's fairly mm-hmm. gentle. Um, a lot of people who have been in ceremony with mushrooms, they don't think it's gentle. But when they, yeah. once, once they've experienced something like ayahuasca, then they look back and go, that was gentle. So, right, right, right. You know, it's all it's all relative. Um, but yeah, mushrooms are highly, really available. You can get them almost anywhere. And, you know, somebody's got them somewhere in, in some town. Um, you can do them on their uh, on your own, even though I don't recommend it. Um, uh, and I, I think the biggest turnoff for people around that is you know they had some type of experience in college where they had twelve beers and then they sprinkled some mushrooms on top and then they had this terrible experience. And I go, well, you didn't have a mushroom right. experience. You had a, a drunken experience where you happen to have some other substances in your system and it wasn't intentional and it's highly problematic. And that's a, that's the biggest problem um, that I see that people have is their first impression can sometimes be really um, skewed and they don't even, right. not, they don't even put the pieces together. There was alcohol involved in that whole situation. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah it's uh yeah, it, it, you know, it seems like you you made a very good point. It's it's the setting the intention with it. So anyone right. out there who hasn't experimented and is interested in experimenting, I think Mike, your advice is excellent. It's like find a, a, a container where someone can help sort of guide you, if possible. Not, I mean, certainly not everyone has that sort of experience, but if sure. so, if it's going to be on your own outside of that sort of uh, container, at least have the intention set. Certainly leave the twelve beers alone. <laughs> have really good music or have really you know calming you know good setting is always important yes and uh yeah it's definitely uh it's definitely a medicine and uh so so that was sort of the first big one for you i mean 
it's an interesting, you know, it's so different than my own perspective was a long time really being, you know, reading a lot of materials, spiritual materials and things like that, and ultimately coming to and applying that to business, applying that to, you know, my podcast. I think it's really interesting. It's like your your journey is is sort of the other way around. It's like you mm-hmm. started doing these things and then learning or, you know, opening up as you went, which, uh, you know, is quite fascinating. So my, my question to you at this point is, so you've been on this journey. How long ago did you start uh, your your podcast? 2012 or something did yeah, I see? Is that- it was the very end of 2011, beginning of 2012. I think that's when we actually okay. started posting officially. But I started playing around with the concept in 2011. And yeah, we actually, you know, kind of drove our stake in the ground and started posting weekly in, in uh, mm-hmm. early 2012. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, it's like you're sort of, going through some of these experiences as you're in the public to some degree. And of course oh, yeah. your, your, your reach has gotten further and further and further, which, uh, pretty, uh, pretty interesting way to do it. I've, I've had people reach out to me. I've had people reach out to me to go, dude, I've been following you from the beginning. What mm-hmm. are you doing? Like, right. like, they're like, they're like, tell me the secret. I'm like, right. I'm telling you the secret. Just, just do the things I'm telling. I'm, and I, don't follow in my footsteps. I mean, but I'm definitely, I'm not hiding the tools that I use to get there. Like I I just told everybody like in the last 20 minutes, I just told you what's possible. I'm not saying that's exactly what you should do. You don't, you know, I'm not telling you you need to go start a podcast or even need to do mushrooms, but it's, uh, they can be beneficial. Those are tools. I mean, and it, not everything is the right thing for everybody. So, um, Use whatever it is that's at your disposal. And if you're looking, then you're on your path and you're in a good spot. So just yeah. be go easy on yourself, I would say. Uh, that's a huge one. I think that's such a, uh, you know, we become our ba- own biggest barrier oftentimes. So it's so easy to like beat up on ourselves for what we have or haven't done. And, yeah. uh, you know, just someone tuning into this material right now, it's like there's someone that's seeking to improve their their perspective and and sort of expand their consciousness and awareness and, and learn from others. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that in itself is, it, it's a huge success, I think, just to be here, just to incarnate in the physical dimension. You you have balls, you know? Yeah, yeah no doubt. Yeah, and, and, um, so, I mean, I think we were, I mean, you're hitting on something where like going easy on yourself is practicing unconditional love and uh, yeah. practicing unconditional love for yourself. And I, I, this is on my mind right now because I, uh, I'm not in the business of life coaching, but I did just, <laughs> I've, I've taken on a person because mm. it, it is so much fun. And I just, right. got, I just got the call with her before the show and we were talking about unconditional love and what the perspective is on that. I was like, so you know what we're throwing around this word, and I grew up hearing this word in uh, in uh, Christian philosophy, and mm-hmm. but no one actually did a good job of explaining or defining what it actually was. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, are you practicing unconditional love? Sure, you know, yeah, right, like, right. What does that even mean? And and for me, you know, what I've grown to understand it to to be, and actually, I would love to hear your perspective on it. Um, but the uh, the it is is not focusing on what you could do or, or should do or this or that, but just loving yourself for exactly where you're at right now, not yep. for your potential. And yeah. I know that 
for me personally, and everyone's got their own struggles around how to find unconditional love, but my personal struggle has been around um, focusing on where I see people's potential and, and loving them for who they could be versus mm-hmm. who they are right now and doing the same thing to myself. Going, mm-hmm. um, I, if I, I would love myself if I would accomplish these things. And yep. then just come to the realization, it's like, no, just love myself exactly for who I am right now, no matter what. Like just right here, everything that I've, that's a perceived failure or a perceived win is everything. It's just part of who I am. And I'm going to love every bit of that. And there's just, I'm going to withhold judgment and I'm not going to focus on what could have been different or what I can do in the future. I'm a very future oriented person. And, um, you know, some people tend to orient themselves in the past. Some people orient themselves in the future. I'm a future person. So I'm always focused on what I could do in the future, which means that there's no way since I'm not there yet, that I can't love myself right now because right. I'm not that guy. Right. So, um, you know, for me, the unconditional love, you know, if you're a future oriented person, uh, I hope that you can identify with that and maybe have a shift in perspective around that. And, uh, yeah, the, the unconditional love piece is so huge and you can, it, it's so funny is once I had that, that's when a lot of things that were a challenge before became easy. And then the accomplishments kind of came in droves. Mm-hmm. But so what's your, uh, I'd like to know your perspective on unconditional love. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I, everything that you said, I completely resonate with. It's understanding that you're an eternal, my perspective, you're an eternal being that always has been and always will be. You know, you didn't, you incarnated, I don't know exactly how old you are, however many years mm-hmm. ago that you showed up here, you incarnated here, you weren't created then. You're, you know, eternal being, you'll never get it done, change is guaranteed. It's like, so when, when you realize you'll never get it done and, it, you know, change is guaranteed, it's like the journey is the goal. So you yeah. arrived. This this is eternity now. This moment is is profound and magical and beautiful and special as any other moment has been or will be throughout eternity. Mm. And mm. our job becomes to bring that awareness to whatever the moment is in that mundane act, in that, you know, me struggling to figure out this piece and still, you know, yeah, there's more I can envision myself as becoming and doing. And But that would mean nothing if I was just automatically there and I didn't have the ride to get there, you know? Yeah. And so when you can bring the perspective of, you know, this this struggle or this sort of incomplete version of myself is, is as important as the next, you know, greatest and grandest version. Now you're really getting somewhere. And I think you're, you're really touching on it. I mean, unconditional love, self-love. I always say self-love is the number one thing we're all here to learn. You know, when we, we packed up and said, all right, I'm going in, man, I'm, I'm dropping into the, to 3d. That's like <laughs> number one on everyone's list is, is self-love, self-love. Mm-hmm. Because until you get that piece, it's it's hard to 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 do much good for others and really ultimately all of our joy and you talked about being in in line with your sort of what you're meant to do your 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 greatest purpose it always is going to in some way involve service to to others in yep. some way shape or form why because they're all extensions of you so your greatest joy is always going to come from 
helping, you know, I always say you're going to find the opportunity to give away to others what you want for yourself. And that's how Mm -hmm. you create it for yourself. It's, it's such an interesting, you know, self-love, uh, tricky. In one hand, it's like so simple. And from another, it's like very complex. I guess it's both, you know, but when you really bring the right perspective to it, it's like, wow, I'm, I'm perfectly imperfect right as I sit now. And this serves what comes next. And what comes next is, is, magical and beautiful and great and wonderful and beyond where I'm at and from one perspective, but from, from another, it is no greater. It is, it is just another, you know, uh, facet of the same, of the same, you know, being and, and destiny. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, um, and, and it's one thing to hear you say that, like, I'm like, Oh yes, yes, yes. And then to go out and live that, that's the challenge. And that's the challenge. (laughs) And I, you know what I uh, I call it uh, the difference between knowing something that's like the, the the collection of data, and then there's the embodiment of the thing. That's when you've embodied it, and now you're living it, right? And so uh, I I think living in the 21st century, it's 2016. It's so easy. We've been trained to be data gatherers from the age of like five years old. They stick us in school, and then they sit you know in a chair for eight hours a day, and they say, hey. I want you to gather, I want you to collect all this data and I want you to be able to regurgitate it. So now yeah. we're like trained to be data collectors that don't actually learn anything. Because right. and another thing is, is I like to say, uh, learning is behavior change. It's like, yes, mm. you may know this thing, but you didn't learn it because your behavior didn't change. And so- uh, I like that. That's really powerful. Yeah. And, and so we've been taught in school that- We've never been taught how to learn. We've learned how to regurgitate information. We collect information and we just store it and we sit on it. Mm-hmm. And I even see it like at a, I'm a businessman, I'm an entrepreneur, and I've been to marketing conferences and business conferences. And I sat next to that guy who it's his fourth time at this annual cl- uh, conference and he's still got an idea that he's never acted on. I was like, wow, you haven't learned anything in four years. Right. Like, right. you know what? If you just took action on anything, you, you would get your, you know, your money's worth, but you're just sitting here collecting information. And that's what we do. We've been, that's the pattern that's been set in us by the system. Right. And so it's like, boom, boom, boom. So once you realize, oh shit, I'm supposed to interrupt this pattern by actually changing my behaviors with the knowledge that I obtain. Cool. Now I can embody it. I can cut away the pieces that don't serve me. And when you cut away the pieces of the knowledge and you embody it, that's called understanding. And then you can go into the world with understanding and mm. somebody who understands something can teach it. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's the final key to, uh, to go, being able to turn around and teach a thing is, is like the final key or the final step. And, um, mm-hmm. having, having actually learned something in my opinion. Yeah. 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 No, that makes total sense. You're giving back is like, once again, it's like you're integrating, you're, you're assessing, you're taking in the information, you're learning how to integrate. And then of course, now how do I, how do I give that back? And I, I I'm fond of the saying, we teach best what we most need to learn. And no it's so, it's like, I always say it on the show. I'm like, guys, I'm so glad that so many of you are getting something positive from this and it's helping your world. And, but 
honestly, there's no selfless act and I'm doing this first and foremost for myself. And the fact that you benefit is beautiful and you know, I, I couldn't love it more, but I need this most of all. So I need to talk about this stuff every day. I need to be mixing it up with people like you who inspire me and, and, you know, listening to other teachers and information, information. And then it, it helps me to then, you know, each day to, okay, if I, if I react in a way that's negative now or, or fall into a, a state that's outside of, you know, sort of the, the broadest perspective I could have, it doesn't take me any time till I'm instantly like viewing myself and like, oh, you're completely out of sync with who and what you truly are. And so I didn't, and it's, I'd like to say I'm a, a quick learner, but really where this stuff is concerned, I've been pretty slow, man. <laughs> it's taken a lot of time for me to like curb that person that can get agitated or pissy or, you know, you know, I, I have this sort of a lot of energy that can really work for me, but it also, you know, that type of personality. And I sense that you're probably the same. You could probably get really agitated uh, at some time would be my guess. And it takes a while to like, okay, it's most important thing is that I'm at peace in this moment, not getting the computer to work or getting, you know, forcing this widget, you know, the square peg into this round hole. Yeah, we we really got to reprogram ourselves from from yeah. doing because you know it's it's been a the way most of us live, and, it, and it's it's interesting that you say like a, a fast or a slow learner, and when it comes to a lot of this more spiritual stuff, uh, we don't really have any metrics of success, you know. Right. Whereas you know if you're trying to get better at business. I'm like, Oh, the money went up and the expenses went down. Yay. Yeah. Or, right. 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 You know, I'm trying to get in better shape. Oh, wow. I got abs now. Or, or, uh, when I stepped on the scale, it was 30 pounds lighter. Yay. We can celebrate something. But in order to like attach metrics to like spiritual growth, that's yeah. very difficult. I actually know some people that are working on that. So, yeah, that's a um, great, yeah, that's a great thought. And I would almost say just thinking about it, it's such a, it's, it's a really interesting thing that you point out. It's like, okay, if you had a way to look at how much of the day am I in a, a peaceful state and not necessarily even happy all the time, because there are things that are going to come into your story that you don't love and it's, it's sort of, you know, working through it or what have you, but being yeah. at peace, you know, how yeah. much of the day am I at peace? And if there, you can find a way to measure that and then sort of, you know, in our world, we're so used to like these sort of feedback loops, you know. Yeah, someone working on that is that's that's definitely smart. <laughs> yes. You want to hear my uh, latest, uh, I call it like a, a spiritual hack for, uh, for peace. Yes, please. Yeah. I mean, could that be more timely than right now? <laughs> no, I don't want to hear it, Mike. Save no, it. We should go to commercial now. This will be the yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so I, um, I'll tell you how I got here a little bit so I can give people the, the proper credit they deserve. But uh, I was a guy you should probably interview. His name's Dane Maxwell. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he's pursuing uh, his career as a musician right now. And uh, he's been a, an entrepreneur. And he used to live in the same town as me down in Encinitas. But now he's uh, up in Boston at school and uh, pursuing the, the musician's life. But he introduced <laughs> me to this thing called Bioemotive Framework. Um, and it's a psychologist up in Canada who developed this over the last 20, 30 years. And there's something called the Netter process where if you're having these, this, this repetitive thought or behavior that you offer, then, um, let's, 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 uh, give it, let's name the feeling that it's, uh, 
that it's inciting in you. And so first hmm. off, it, it separates the idea of the difference between feelings and emotions. And mm. it defines emotions as like the chemical release in the body that, that cause you to cry or be sad or angry or happy or whatever. And then the feelings are actually like, um, there's they, in the English language, there would be nine core feelings. I can't remember the names of them because I start, I, I started with the nine core negative feelings and then I kind of mm-hmm. ditched the names after a while because I realized that the feelings were actually what you felt in your body. And mm. so, and it, and it goes straight down the line of your body primarily, which then makes me think about chakras. So it makes, right, right. As a few years ago, you say chakras, I'd be like, crazy. Now, <laughs> now I'm like, oh yeah, totally chakras getting blocked. I get how this works now. So now what I do is, uh, so what I started working on is I go, okay. So when I was meditating, when I started meditating, I was like, oh, I see this thought and then I, I get really good at letting it go. But guess what? It just keeps on coming. And negative thoughts just keep coming in and I get a barrage mm-hmm. and I'm getting good at letting them go. And it, that does create more peace for me in my heart for sure. But it's still a lot of work. And so then I started going and, I re- and then that biomotive framework that was introduced to me, the idea that um, thoughts come from feelings and not the other way around mm. was, uh, was a mindset shift that really helped me out. I go, oh, I'm focusing on my thoughts a lot. I'm not focused on my feelings. And so you right. know, we always talk about get out of your head, get in your body, right? Right, right. Well, what does that even mean? And so it's like, right. it's like, oh, I'm going to drop my consciousness in my body. And if you do that, what you can do is you can actually identify how things feel. You may feel like your throat is tight. You may feel like there's pressure on your chest. You may feel an ache in your belly, right? And these are all things that are feelings and these are in your body. And so what I started doing is I go, oh, anytime I have a thought that I don't like to have, you know what? I go, what do I feel in my body right now? And I do a wow. body scan. I do a body scan right That's down. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I do a body scan and I find, I go, Oh, that feels tight and hot. Okay. And I was naming it, but I stopped doing that. I just like, I like to describe it instead mm-hmm. of name. It. Like I go, Oh, it's hot. It's heavy. It's tight, whatever it is. And then I breathe into it. I just wow. breathe into it and relax into it. And so I started doing that and I found that the thoughts would just go away when I did that. I was putting my attention on the feeling. And so I go, oh, this is really fascinating. So now I go throughout my day and now I know what it means to be in my body. My my awareness is in how I'm feeling as I'm going throughout the day, not in what I'm thinking. And interestingly enough, I've leveled up. Um, As an entrepreneur, I'm so much more focused. You know what? I don't have the chatter going on because I'm focused on what I'm feeling. And if something... Things sneak in. I'm not exact. I'm not like perfectly tuned into my body at all times. A thought sneaks in, and then I'm five minutes into this thought loop, and I go, "Oh shit!" I <laughs> yeah, like, oh, really what just happened? Out. Yes. Oh, uh, <laughs> I got. I, I, I identified as this human again. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. then go, so then I go back in. I go, "Oh, that's that feeling." I breathe into it. Thoughts go away. So wow. I spend. A, I spend the majority of my day not. Um, not having thoughts I don't like and the feelings that I'm having, I learn to embrace them. And if it's, it's a feeling I like, then I try to like amplify it. And amplify, if it's a feeling yeah. I don't like, I just breathe into it, relax and let it go. And so, um, that's like kind of where my meditation practice is now is, is the noticing of the feeling. And then when I go throughout my day, you know, as 
like I'll be in a social environment and I'm constantly checking in with how am I feeling? How do I feel with this person? A business deal. How do I feel about this? I care a lot about how I feel about that's your intuition speaking. That's your highest higher self speaking up. And And now you're just working that muscle like crazy. This is actually a fascinating concept I haven't heard. And I'm so excited to like try it. What's funny is I'm sharing this with people, all my friends. I've been working on this like maybe the last six to eight months. I've been sharing it with people. And I think I may have stumbled across something that nobody's doing. And so, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, now I need to hide this information so I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How am I going to make money off of this? <laughs> exactly. It's the ultra spiritual thing to do. Um, <laughs> the most, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Call the ultra spiritual guy. He'll do an episode on there. <laughs> no, uh, but, um, this is something I've been working on. It's been extremely helpful for me. Um, I'm 34 years old and I am, I feel very. Uh, blessed to have kind of stumbled across this idea and this practice. And uh, I'm curious as to where it takes us. And yeah. I would love that if anyone else wants to experiment with this and, you know, wants to hit me up on social media or whatever and tell me their experience, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah. Because I think that there, there's someone else is doing this or it's called something like it's a thing. I'm sure, you know, yeah. it's a, it's already something. There's no way I'm the first one. Right. So, uh, um, I would love for somebody to like go, Oh, this is kind of like this other thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, and well, they talk about this in a lot of different practices, you know, you have your chakras and the energy flows and, and all this. And, and I think it's just like, I'm good at identifying blockages in my chakras. It, to, well, you're obviously uh, someone that is already very in tune with, you know, obviously the whole physical body and that's a big part of your path. Right. And what you're teaching and you obviously people are resonating with how many, uh, how many listeners and and followers and so forth that you have. So it's, I find it really fascinating and, uh, you know, it may not be out there and it may be something that you should, uh, you should, you know, take to the next level. Who knows? I I know for me, you'll get feedback from me on it because I'm definitely going to, it definitely, it's one of those things you, you said, it's like when someone's telling me something, it's like that kind of bell is going off in my head or how do I feel when I'm interacting with them? You know, is it, it feels really good. If it feels really good, I want to interact more. I want to follow that. If it's, you know, if someone's telling me an idea and it's like, wow, something about that feels like really like wise. I don't, you know, and so in, in, of course you have the feedback having done it for several months. So yeah, I'm yeah. sure listeners out there, you know, you guys let us know, let Mike know what is the best way why, why we're throwing that out there. What's the best way for people to contact you? Um, I have a, I would say Facebook is probably the easiest. Um, I have a fan page, just Mike Bledsoe. If you look me up, okay. um, I, I try to respond to my messages in there within a few days. Um, but yeah, that's the best way to contact me. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Now I, I have a question for you. Uh, you know, well, a couple actually, um, one is for people who aren't as dedicated to working out CrossFit you know, yoga, whatever it may be. Is there any sort of advice that you would give them? You know, like one of the things that I've done in my, uh, infinite laziness in the past is like the seven minute workout. Um, Mm. I, you probably heard of it. I'm sure. Like, it's like you do 30 seconds of one thing and you know, you know, you end up doing 14 exercises and that's been a cool thing that I've done at points in my life where I haven't really you know been that disciplined is there anything that you would tell what 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 is your advice for people the best thing if they're going to do something what's the best thing that they could do to take care of their body um do what 
uh, resonates with you. You know, I, I, um, I'm not a hard advocate for any mode of training really. Um, Mm -hmm. in fact, if you're not walking, just go for a 20 minute walk. Yeah. So that's probably, yeah. The simplest standing desks. Uh, I was, uh, I was at the bulletproof conference this past weekend and my friend Kelly Starrett was speaking on stage and he, he quoted uh, this number, which I don't know how accurate it is, but it made a lot of sense. He said that if you do a standing desk versus a sitting desk for one year, you burn an extra 100,000 calories, which wow. equals 33 marathons. Holy shit. Yeah. So here's the thing is, and I, and I talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, which is when what grade five, uh, five years old, we get sat in a seat for eight hours a day. When in human history have we sat in a chair for eight hours a day? Never. What we're looking at in the last 50, 60, 70 years is a blip, a tiny little speck on the grand like history of life cycle. Yeah. Of of human history. And to think that sitting at a desk from the age of what, five until 18, and then you go to college, do it again. And then you go get an office job and you do it again. And we're putting our bodies, there's a lot of things that are happening when you sit down that long. Um, blood circulation starts going down. Your muscles in your butt start moving away from, you get a flat butt. And that's because the muscles are moving away from where they're supposed to be. And then that causes back problems. And so people end up um, in these unnatural positions for prolonged periods of time. And then when they go to exercise, they get hurt. And they blame the exercise. It's not the exercise. Right. It's the sedentary lifestyle that's been adopted since we were the age of five years old that's done this. So when we're re-engaging in exercise, we actually need to be very careful because mm-hmm. we're very fragile. We've been, especially if you're an American, <laughs> you know, we we have so many comforts that other people don't have. And uh uh, you know, my advice is is probably just to try to gain a little bit of perspective about, um, what physical activity is, you know, let's, let's get to a standing desk. Let's go for a walk here and there. Um, I don't think CrossFit is the best thing for everybody. In fact, I limit how much CrossFit I do. <laughs> um, it'd be kind of rough on, I did it for about six months. It can be pretty kind of rough on the body, right? Yeah. And it depends on the coach, you know, who's coaching you, who's, mm-hmm. who's writing the workouts, who's de- designing the warmups for the workouts. I mean, I have days that if people were to see what I was doing, it looks, it'd be an hour long warm up, is what it looks like, you know? Right. And it's right. like, it's just me taking care of my body. And so, my recommendation is if somebody's sedentary and they don't already have a practice of some sort, is to seek out a really good professional that's gonna ease them in and is gonna do things like focus on breath. You know, if, if you don't do anything, just do breath, just mm-hmm. do some box breathing. Wim Hof. Wim Hof's my favorite, by the way. I'm sure you've heard of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wim Hof. He's got an app called Inner Fire. I N N E R uh, Fire, and mm-hmm. it's four dollar app, and it's worth like it's so good. It's just amazing. Really? A yeah. Great I'll have to check that out. Totally check it out. If you're not exercising, if you just all you did was stand at a desk, go for a 20 minute walk, and started doing Wim Hof, I would be excited. You know, and then then from there, do whatever resonates. You know, if you want to go to a yoga class, if you want to go do some poses, right on. Um, You want to go do CrossFit, that's cool. You want to go surfing, you want to go running. Like, 
there's all these things, but you know, be in tune with your body. And when something starts hurting, there's a reason why go see somebody yeah. who knows why. And you'll know you're seeing a, a, a somebody, if you have pain and they don't start with breath, go see somebody else. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. Next question that I really wanted to get hear your opinion on is the whole, you know, uh, veganism thing. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts on, you know, meat versus, of course, is it, was it this year? Yeah, I guess it was this year the, the weightlifter, the, you know, gold medalist is vegan. And of course you hear a lot of different things about this, mm-hmm. this is such a hot topic and more and more so. So curious what your thoughts are. <clears throat> so I'll, uh, I'll, uh, start off by saying, um, my, my leadership coach taught me this, uh, I actually taught my entire team this and in an organization, the difference between a dysfunctional organization and a good, you know, functional organization is a dysfunctional organization focuses on being in agreement. And that means that we agree on how things should be done. Mm. A functional, well, uh, well oiled, uh, team or organization is in alignment. And that means that we all can agree that, um, on the vision of the future, Mm. Right. The aim. Yeah. And where, where we're going. And so, uh, you know, when you look at the ancestral health or paleo advocates versus the vegan advocates, the interesting thing I find, because I live in both worlds, by the way, is. Right. I, That's why I really wanted to ask you. You're like such a interesting mix of these things. So, yeah, I have I have I'd say half my friends are vegan and half my friends are paleo. And and um, and uh, I. Now, the thing that, it, that fascinates me is that everybody wants the same thing. Everyone wants a sustainable planet. Everybody wants um, people to be healthy. Uh, people want animals to be treated um, well. And the, the interesting thing is, is uh, and they, everyone's opposed to industrialized farming. We're all very opposed to a lot of the same things. And there's a disagreement on a few things, right? And so um, I actually, it, it's just, it's, I just want to point that out first is mm. and it, because I think people get really heated about this and they turn it into a debate and yeah. it's turned into a debate because we're focusing on the differences and the methods and not on where we're going. Right. And I yeah. think if we all could go, look, the, t- the way we're farming right now, look, we can all agree. It's not good for the planet and it's not good for our food. It's not good for us. It's not good for anything. We right. could change that. Right. There's a more sustainable way. Now, where people get a little caught up is what is sustainable? Like, is is eating meat a sustainable thing? A lot. Uh, some really intelligent people in in the um, sustainable farming community believe that having meat, eating or uh, having animals that you end up eating uh, on the land is the more sustainable way of doing it. Something like Polyface Farm, Joel Salatin. Um, uh, you know, and there's a lot of smart people that say, look, we can get more total, like as far as feeding everyone on the planet, you can get more total calories out of animals that are eating the vegetation than you can from the vegetation itself. And then on the, and on the, um, vegan side, there's, there's the claim that that's not true. Um, mm-hmm. and so what I see on the, what I see a lot of times with, with on the, on the vegan side is that there's a, focus on industrialized meat farming and not a, no one wants to address what's happening with sustainable meat farming. 
And mm-hmm. it, there's a, a hyper focus on that and not and an unwillingness to have the conversation about the other is right. one of the things that I notice. Um, and then there's the empathy piece and the energetic piece. And so mm. um, I don't want to eat an animal. So from an empathy piece, I'm actually more on the meat eating side of things. And, mm. I, and I think that would shock people. So from an mm-hmm. empathy perspective, I think it's uh, more empathetic to eat animals because for us to not eat animals, I think we have to do a lot of industrialized grain farming, which displaces a lot of, um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's very harmful. This. So the industrialized farming of <clears throat> grains takes up so much space that we're displacing a lot of animals. And so if we're saying all creatures are equal, then we also have to consider mm-hmm. that groundhog that gets killed during while we're growing corn or quinoa right. or whatever. And, sure. um, and is that, is that groundhog equal to a cow? You know, right. it's like, uh, you know, and so for me, it's like, look, one cow will feed a lot of people, you know, one groundhog hardly feeds anybody. And right. so, um, you know, and, and, uh, I think at the core of the issue is, uh, we're disconnected from our food. If you're vegan and you have never been gardening and you've never, gathered your own food or, you know, this and that, I think there's a problem. And if you're a meat eater and you've never killed your own meat, I think that's a problem. We need, we need to be in touch with our food. Um, from an energetic level, you know, it's again, was it a clean kill or was it, was it, you know, did we dose these animals with just enough steroids and antibiotics to keep them alive long enough so we can pump them full of grains and then just barely keep them alive long enough to slaughter them? That meat is no good. No right. good. Um, so for me personally, um, I've moved from um, a, uh, <clears throat> a heavy meat diet to I eat meat twice a day now versus, you know, the four or five times I would eat it previously. Um, mm-hmm. So I've embraced more plant proteins, more, I would say what I have is more balance. And if I go to a restaurant where the food isn't clean, I just won't eat it. And Interesting. I think the same thing goes for vegetation is I'm as opposed to eating, you know, uh, industrialized farm cow as I am eating cherries that were picked in Chile and flown into Southern California. Right. You know, it's, you know, if we look at total planetary damage being done, you know, it it's it, there's so many factors here when you when we look at the whole system it gets really interesting so um i don't that's call, a com- it's a complex and complicated issue for sure so and then we have you know uh climate change you know it, it comes into ecological it, yeah it, it comes into play and you know is is there really you know what kind of farming is going to help make that better, you know, and are animals a part of that process and so on and so forth. It, it's, it's, it's so complicated. So, um, I don't necessarily take a side. I like to listen. And, um, but I personally, I do eat meat. Um, I do make sure it's, I like to know the person who raised it and killed it and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I get my meat, uh, sustainably sourced and usually bought from a farmer's market or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of plant proteins as well and, and plant fats or sources of fuel. Um, and what are your uh, yeah. thoughts on the health, on the health implications of eating meat protein? Because one of the things that really had a big, you know, impact on me a few years ago, uh, and, and of course, you know, you'll hear arguments that 
things are skewed one way or another. And I certainly can't argue that that's well within the realm of possibility, but it was, um, the documentary forks over knives Mm -hmm. and it, it shown, you know, basically what this was, you know, all very pro vegan. And it basically showed that meat protein was the source of, you know, heart disease, almost all heart disease and cancer. And, you know, there's this huge study in China that was done and they could predict what was sure. happening where based off of what meat they ate and so forth. So for me, you know, and I don't, I do not claim to be an expert. And I, like I said, I'm the first in, to agree that something, you know, can be skewed one way or another uh, oftentimes. But uh, it was, you know, that was one that really kind of hit me hard and I can't say that I went out afterwards and investigated uh, rigor- rigorously to see if you know okay mm-hmm. I-, I know there's people that debunked it for sure and, and so sure. forth so just curious what you know because of course yeah you've touched on like the ecological the ethical then spiritual I couldn't agree more if it's like this animal's being tortured and it's like you know a, a pig that's the intelligence of a three year old and it knows it's getting slaughtered it's lived this awful life and it knows yeah. it's walking in you know it's releasing all the stress hormones and fear and right. And, and negative energy, but uh, yeah, <clears throat> just curious what what you know if you've done much research into that, or you know if you what you think about it. Yeah, uh, I actually have. Um, and so um, I'm actually highly opinionated on that. Um, <laughs> oh, good. That's what uh, I want. I want to hear your highly opinionated opinion <laughs> on, the, on the China study. The China study is uh, not a good way to make any decisions. Um, and the fact they based an entire movie on it, that is, mm-hmm. it was such a good movie. I watched it and I was just like, damn, they did a really good job. And you gotta be mm-hmm. uh, careful with documentaries cause they're not documentaries, they're docudramas. And, right. um, so, uh, it, it's, it's interesting, but, um, so the China study falls into the category of an epidemiological study, which means that they're looking at entire populations and they're using, um, their, it's a correlative. So um, there's an epidemiological study. That means they're looking at a large population and they're making a lot of assumptions and they're, um, and they're looking at correlations, not causation. And so what they said is over this period of time, the Chinese made more money and could afford more meat. Now there was a, the meat that came in was not clean. Mm. So we're not looking at protein. We're looking at mm-hmm. protein, fats, and carbs. So the proteins, gotcha. the fats, and the carbs that were introduced into the diet were all very poor. So what was introduced to China was industrialized farming. It wasn't protein. Yes, there was more protein in their diet than there had ever been. And that's true. Yeah. That's true with Americans. Like an industri- when industrialized farming comes into play, it tends to be more protein rich. Mm-hmm. That, that's for sure. That's true. However, it's a correlative thing. Um, now, when we look at, so nutrition overall, nutrition studies tend to be epidemiological and correlative in nature. And so for anyone to look at a single study and make claims is a little difficult. Now, Forks Over Knives did look at more than just a China study. So what they did mm-hmm. was they did a, a cherry picking lit review. And so um, they, they chose the studies that supported what they had. Now, what they wanted to show. And just like anything else, any company can invest in research and then they can throw out the stuff, they, the research they don't like and keep the research they do like. Now there's a different type of study um, where you actually do control the variables. 
now you take out a lot of the, the human element there because now you're, you're feeding rats and this and that and because uh, or you're doing a study on a single thing with college students and now you're you're uh, uh, you're not really controlling the fact they had twelve beers on Saturday night at the frat house. <laughs> right, right, so right, right. It's um, it gets and, and you're having to trust that these college students are filling out their dietary forms. Well, by the way, I used to do this. So um, right, right. <laughs> so. Um, I was a guinea pig in college, uh, and I helped out in the research lab at times. So I understand how studies are performed. And um, when I was working on my master's, I took a class uh, called Research Methods, where it basically taught you how to read research. And so what I find is a lot of people who are doing documentaries, journalists who are writing articles, know nothing about how to read research. And in fact, scientists tend to skew the research or come to conclusions based on what their own lens that they're seeing through. And so when I, I've gone through research myself, I've gone through a study. I read the entire study, the methods and everything. And then I saw the person who conducted the study write the conclusion that they came to. And I go, how the mm. hell did they come mm. to the conclusion when I came to a completely different conclusion by reading the work that they had done? And so right. there's a, such a subjective experience that is still polluting science. And so yeah. um, a lot of people like to point at science and research. I'm just like, look, I was in it. A lot of my best friends are PhDs and they conduct research and so on and so forth. And they're, they're, they'll tell you like, yeah, it can be skewed. It's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of my friends that are PhDs that are running research and nutrition, um, almost none of them are vegan. Um, and so, um, what we do know that the, that proteins do certain things in the body and they don't, uh, cause cancer. Um, and they don't, uh, if anything, they, it lowers, uh, the, uh, cholesterol and things like that. So, mm. um, it's, uh, I, I don't, I personally don't think that being vegan is, um, better um, now, now, if you go from a really bad American diet and you go vegan, it's going to be better. And yeah. so, and so, um, so my perspective on this is harmony. Like, how can we be in harmony with our environment? And for me, that means that I did uh, when I stopped competing and I kind of started looking at the bigger picture. I cut my meat consumption down and the type of meat I was eating, so on and so forth. And I do. I mean, I. I eat at vegan restaurants once or twice a week. You know, I go meet my friends and we have a vegan meal and I'll go an entire day being vegan. And I think it's good for me. And, but most people don't know what it's like to go. There's a lot of people out there that doesn't know what it like. it's like to go a meal without meat. And I, and that, that used to be me. And, um, mm-hmm. I definitely, um, uh, I tend to swing really hard and I don't feel like I swung really hard nutritionally. I, I, I feel very balanced right now. And I, I think it's good to, when you put food in your mouth, recognize how it feels because yeah. you know what, you know, I'm come from, uh, you know, uh, probably Northern European ancestry and, uh, how my genetics interact with food is going to be different than somebody from South America. Yeah. And to say that this is the right way health wise for everybody is right. ridiculous because everything right. is so, everybody is so different. Um, yeah. what works for, you know, I, what works for one white male and another white male can be completely different. And so yeah. it's, you just got to do what resonates with you. This is the same answer with exercise. I don't believe there's any single method and the same with nutrition. People go, I have vegan friends. They're like, Oh, you're paleo. I'm like, no, 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 hmm. I'm not, I'm not anything. 
I, right. I just eat what's good for me. And what I mm. feel is a lot of, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that perspective for sure. Yeah. And, and, and I don't go around calling my friends vegan either. It, right. They may, they may self-identify that way. And then I'm like, yes, you fall in that category if you're identifying that way, but I don't call somebody that doesn't I, define well, them. Yeah. And I don't want to be defined by how I eat. Um, I yeah. personally just want to be a good role model. And yeah. I think that if everybody did cut back on how much meat they were eating and they sourced it consciously and they added way more vegetables to the diet and something I added to my, my diet recently that has, just, has been very transformational for me is a lot of mushrooms. So mm. not magic mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You told us this dude <laughs> every day now. <laughs> yes, every day. Uh, you know, lion's mane, cordyceps, a shiitake, reishi. Um, there are these mushrooms have like changed my life. I've been putting them wow. in my smoothies the last. It gets expensive with a lot of these really great mushrooms. But um, since I dropped, since I was able to drop the label of I'm paleo or this or that, my ability to be open to <laughs> trying new things has been enormous compared to what it used to be. And Beautiful. I've tried a lot of things that I am like. I'm the age 34. I've been training since I was 15. I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm leaner than I've been in over 10 years. I'm happier. I move well. My joints don't hurt. They don't click. I am strong. I move well. I have endurance. And I Beautiful. look good. Like I, and I just, and all of it is about, I'm very intuitive in how I eat. And I, if it doesn't make me feel good, after, I, if I eat something and I notice I didn't feel good, I just cut it out. And I embrace something else. So it's, you know. that's a lot of wisdom right there. I would say it's like at the end of the day, there's so much data and information and ideas and, you know, valid ideas or from one perspective or another that really, you know, make a lot of sense. And I think the ultimate judge with everything is, is what you're saying. I think you've come to a very wise sort of place in that is, Hey, what is right for me? What do I feel like? What is, you know, everything that you've said really throughout this whole show. The whole show is, you know, getting in tune with your intuition, getting in tune yeah. with your intuition. You have that innate intelligence that comes from your connection to source that is completely unique for you. It's almost like the mother, you know, the mother's milk has all the nutrients perfect for that child. It's kind of like the intuition is almost like our mother's milk. And yeah. the more you get in tune with that, the more, you, you know, you're going to have, find the perfect fit for you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And... I, um, you know, there's certain times where I don't eat, I eat way less meat or I eat really light because I am meditating, but I'm not mm-hmm. supposed to be meditating all the time. Right. And there's other times where I need to be more aggressive or I need to be stronger and that's, and I'm going to eat differently then. So there's not a right way to eat all the time either. You know, I'll go, right. I'll go on dieta and there'll be a 10 day or 20 day period where I eat almost no, you know, very little meat and mostly vegetation and then when i come you know it cycles what do you think about fasting love it love it we don't do it enough so yeah i I, it's something i I have not i haven't done it and i know that i should do it i intend to do it that yeah that's intuitive as well so it's you know sometimes i'll be on a wednesday i'll be like you know i need to fast and that that saturday i do it so it's kind of like um you know i'm not marking on the calendar it's just you know what? I think it's time for a fast. And so I do. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. 
Well, this has been really fascinating. I do have one other question for you. Actually, a couple others, and I won't make them too long because sure. I've, I've, I could, I feel like I could talk to you forever, Mike. You're, you've been awesome. We, we, um, need to hang, we need to hang out in person. Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. That's going to happen. Um, so, one of my go-to questions on the show is: I love stories of synchronicity or serendipity or a positive mm. paranormal story, something like that. <laughs> uh, you got something up your sleeve? You can. Uh, oh yeah, I got a really tickle good our one. fancy with. Ah, good. I love that. I love it when someone says, replies like that. Okay, well, hit me. <laughs> well, I actually knew you were going to ask a question like this. And I was like, I got nothing. This was like a month ago. But a few weeks uh-huh. ago, something crazy happened. So, ah. Yeah. So um, Burning Man, um, I normally go and I, I chose not to go this year. And my wife went without me. So mm. she left on the Wednesday before Burning Man. And I decide to have some friends over on a Saturday afternoon, just a nice chill session. And they all leave around 11 PM. And, um, my closest friends know this about me, which is I have dance parties before bed. And so (laughs) that's so good. Yes. I had, I had the lights out in my house. I'm all by myself having a dance party and I look outside my window. Like I can see out my window as I'm dancing. I go, man, there's a, a light out. There's a light I've never seen out there. So I walk outside and the lights on my Burning Man bike are on. And uh, I was like, huh, look around the yard. All right. Shrug it off. I flip the switch on the, on the um, lights. I go back inside to resume dance party. And then I'm dancing five minutes later, lights are back on. So I go, I'm like, all right, I go back out there, look around and uh, by the way, I live in a beautiful town, beautiful people, and there's not really hardly any violence or anything like that. So I, you know, I don't, I'm not like afraid or anything. I walk out there and I'm like, hmm, weird. Turn the lights off. This time I really make sure the switch is off. <sighs> so I, I go back inside. I go to bed. I fall asleep. Wake up the next day. Don't think anything of it. I'm just kind of like, all right, whatever. My friend comes over to the house to get something. I go to my desk, I shut my laptop, and behind my laptop is this quartz, this crystal. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never seen it before in my life. And my house wow. is not, not that big. I know every square inch, and I know every square inch of my desk for sure. And there's a, I'm like, do you know where this came from? She was like, no. There had only been five people in my house that week. Um, and so I asked every single one of them, and they were like, no. And I was like, and a week later, I was like, seriously, did anyone do this because it was yeah. kind of freaky? And they were, everyone was like swearing up and down, like, no, I would not do that. That's, you know, that's kind of messed up to try and play that trick on somebody. I was like, all right, cool. So then, wow. <clears throat> so that happened. So Saturday night was the lights. Sunday is this quartz appears. And mm-hmm. so I just throw it on my altar because, you know, why not? And yeah, and well, when a crystal appears magically, it's, yes. it's suitable for the altar. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> So the next day I'm meeting with my business partner and we're mapping some stuff out and we go to get lunch and I go to grab my hat. I hadn't worn my hat in three or four days. I go to pick up my hat and this, this golden plate, this thin golden plate falls out of my hat and hits the floor. Whoa. And I go, what is going on? And I, I pick it up and it's this beautiful thin laser cut plate that is Metatron's cube. Whoa. And it's, I could uh, I could send you uh, the pictures, and which is a sacred geometry is basically sacred geometry. For those of you, look it up if you want to see the design. It's incredible, and even the meaning behind it. 
Yes, it's beautiful. And well, the funny thing is, is I had been somewhat introduced to sacred geometry at this point. Now I'm reading all about it. Um, of yeah. course. And, of course. Uh, <laughs> and so that, that was Monday. And I'm like, what is going on? Actually, my business partner, who's like the biggest skeptic in the world and right. lo- love him to death. And he's just kind of shrugs his shoulders and goes, I'm hungry. Let's go get tacos. Back to back to planet earth. (laughs) Exactly. He's like, Hey, I'm in 3d. Let's go. So yeah. yeah. uh, So I go, I tell my, my, you know, so I question all my friends that could have possibly planted it and everyone swears I'm down. It wasn't them. So, um, so yeah, I have these two objects. They're sitting on my altar at this point. And, um, yeah, I just, and it was funny is I chose not to go to burning man and it was, it was the best decision I had a beautiful, you know, beautiful awakening um, without going. And my wife was able to have an amazing time that I, she would not have got to have, have since I was there. And, and, you know, I've always wanted her to be able to go to that and have that experience without me. And it ended up just being so beautiful for her. And, wow. you know, and I, and, you know, I had one person tell me like, you know what? I think it was just a gift. You know, it was, yeah. you know, you, you did the right thing by staying behind and, <laughs> and it was a gift and, and, Oh, uh, here, one more layer to this story. So Maria Chavez, who you've had on your show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you should, everyone should go listen to her by the way, if you haven't listened to that. Oh one. yeah. She's amazing. And, and so amazing. So her and I are pretty tight. She comes over a few days after this whole deal and I show her the crystal and she goes, where'd you get my crystal? <laughs> she swears up and down that, I mean, the way it's shaped every, cause it's, it's got some special shapes in it. She goes, that's mine. Wow. And she was, I was like, how to get here then? She goes, I have no idea. She's, she was like, sometimes crystals move. I was like, what? wow. I was like, do you want it back? Yeah, she goes, yeah. no, it it's, wants to be with you. Uh, wow. And so I, you know what? Here's the That's deal. incredible. I, 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 uh, I've seen so much stuff now. I, what I know is that I don't know. So, you know, <laughs> right, what? right. I know enough to know. Ever. I don't fully know. Yeah, I, I know. You know what? Whatever. Anyone yeah. who wants to argue with me, just go down to Peru and drink some ayahuasca, some shamans, and then after you have that experience, then come yeah, tell me what talk. you know. All right. Yep. 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 <laughs> I had a. I have a, a really, really good friend, and we had a sort of a rough experience in uh, a business uh, relationship with some people uh, in the last year or so that's transpired and he came out of it and he's done like 20 ayahuasca journeys in the last year, year and a half. And it's, you know, I've known him for four years. And I've seen this huge transformation. And he said, you know what I learned from our experience? He goes, I'm never going into business again with someone who I haven't done an ayahuasca journey with. And I Uh-oh. think that's a pretty wise uh, idea. And as far as the crystal and, you know, I, it reminds me of a story that, uh, uh, you know, I'll share really quickly as a, as a good friend of mine, his name is Brandon. Also, he had a dream about uh, a crystal uh, and, you know, where to find it. And every, he went up, it like literally got him out of bed. He drove, he went to, uh, ended up at a garage sale. There it is. Uh, and he, you know, so there's some, definitely some truth to what Maria was saying that they like to move around. They're like, you know, what did Tesla say? They're living entities. We may not understand the nature of the reality. They're living nonetheless. And there's definitely some, some magic going on there and as, as a person is waking up to sort of more and more uh understanding uh and like you said the more you know the more you realize you don't know but uh 
you may know more than you did a few years ago before that first mushroom journey, right? And as you're getting yourself more in tune with your greatest and grandest self and the next version of what you're meant to become, it's like you start opening up doorways. And, you know, I even talk about um, Burning Man or transformational type festivals where it creates a container for these types of experiences. I, I have stories and I've shared them on past shows that some of which are just like that, just wild, mind-blowing stories that are beyond sort of logic. And here you are in a state that is such a positive mental state. You're dancing before bed. Um, You know, you're being this amazing husband who's like, you know, excited to have his wife go have an experience on her own. All these things that are just, you know, say something about where you're at as a being. So you are in a high vibrational state. You're opening up that container and you're alone. You know what I mean? And that's, it's it's beautiful beautiful man you should be very uh very pleased with yourself to have had that experience congratulations <laughs> I am, actually. thank you yeah 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 oh <laughs> uh, mike this has been so cool man i really look forward to connecting in person with you and i do have one last question all right 60 seconds or less what is the meaning of life according to mike bledsoe oh. oh um the meaning of life is to learn and um, it's to learn and it's to evolve love consciousness. Mm. Beautiful. You, did, you, you had 50, 50 seconds left and you didn't even need them. <laughs> yeah, need them. <laughs> I, felt, I felt the need to fill it, but you know what? I'm going to. No, you, not you, do that. you don't. Yeah. Sometimes less is more, right? <gasps> Absolutely. Beautiful, Usually beautiful. Case. Usually the case. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, thank you, my friend. And for, for you guys who'd like to connect uh, with Mike, uh, as he mentioned, Mike Bledsoe uh, on Facebook and, of course, his podcast, uh, Barbell Shrugged. Uh, check that out. You do it once a week, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Once okay. a week on that. I'm actually launching my own personal um, uh, show soon, and it's going to be called The Bledsoe Show. So keep a lookout for that. So if you follow cool. me on uh, Facebook, Mike Bledsoe, and if you follow me on Instagram, Mike underscore Bledsoe, and uh, then you'll you'll definitely be notified that uh, that when that show gets posted. Excellent. I know and I will I'm definitely gonna be tuning more, in. I'm going to dive into more topics that aren't necessarily like CrossFit related and stuff there. So right, 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 right. Everyone listening to this probably might want to check that one out. Yeah, you know, it seems like uh, a natural progression from understanding your story. That sounds like and feels like quite the natural progression. And and, uh, my intuition says that that is going to go very, very well for you, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing. And I look forward to, uh, to mixing it up with you in person sometime soon. No doubt. Well, everyone, that concludes this week's interview episode. If you have enjoyed this positive download from our hearts and minds to yours, please Take a minute, give us a rating or review on iTunes, since iTunes is the holy grail of all things podcasting. Uh, Your good reviews help us to reach more listeners. Also, we would be extremely appreciative if you would tell your friends and family about the show. Our sincere intent with the Positive Head podcast is to spread positivity to the world because, well, because we're selfish, quite honestly. Uh, I say that jokingly, but really only halfway joking. I'm referring to the good kind of selfish based on the knowing that we all get what we give in this life because when we give, we're actually always giving to extensions of self since we're all really one in the same consciousness, just in different bodies. So if you want to be a good selfish along with us by helping to spread the positivity, by all means, please proceed to shout about the Positive Head podcast from your rooftop. <laughs> Otherwise, 
As you continue on your fabulous journey in this 3D reality, be sure to remember this. As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone, and thank you for being.